Hi there, and thanks for listening to Shim Satira's very first podcast series, Sounds Like Folk. My name is Joanne Barry, and I am the Repertory Director with the National Folk Theatre at Shim Satira. My involvement with Chiemsa began as a nine-year-old child and I've been working with the company as a performer, a teacher and all-round folky for the last 15 years. Despite the current restrictions, the creative impulse to swap our stories and engage with our audiences remains. I hope you enjoy this new way of Bohan Thiert, our gathering together, allowing a window into Chiemsa Tira, which itself was born from a coming together of like-minded people a place where ideas and stories are celebrated. Today's guest is my dear friend and internationally acclaimed mezzo-soprano, Paula Murray. Enjoy the chat. So, Paula. Hi. I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, not physically, obviously. We have to do this um, remotely, which is obviously this is being recorded during a global pandemic and we're in the same town, but we can't meet. Um, but I'm very excited and thank you so much for being a part of the very first Teams podcast, Sounds Like thrilled. Folk. Yeah, good. <laughs> I'm um, thrilled to be here. Great. Thanks, Paula. Um, I thought we might start and just talk a little bit. Let I'm going to let you talk because I tend to interrupt a lot, but I'm going to let you talk. And we will uh, go back to the start, kind of where your singing started and your career, uh, which has taken off so, so much in the last couple of years. It's been amazing to watch. Thanks, John. Yeah, um, honestly, I feel like everything started at Chimsa. I mean, it was where I got my start in the world of theatre, right? You know, mm-hmm. we we kind of learned and trained in so many different areas. And even though I've ended up in a much narrower field in the world of classical music, which in some ways is quite far away from where, let's say, we began in our roots in, in the folk theatre, mm-hmm. um, I would say that it all kind of, uh, it all started there. We, um, after leaving, so we'll go back hopefully and just talk all about our Shimsa beginnings, but let's say just after Indeed. that chapter yes. finished, um, I was doing some classical singing in the Kerry School of Music. And I had started first of all in a group of, let's say three of us with one one singing teacher. That was around the age of 13 maybe okay. 13 uh 14 and like at that point we would have been doing singing anyway in Shimsa and we would have had our solos and our little bits but to kind of go into the classical um avenue was a bit different so I started to do that and then after kind of 14 15 I wanted to take it even a little more seriously and then I started studying with Sharon Reedy mm. who's here just in Abbey Dorney mm. and it was it was quite a focused program we had exams every year you would do the grades and you would learn set pieces and then there were competitions that you did every year and so I I started to do that and slowly but surely uh, kind of came into my head god I think I'd I'd really love to do this more full-time and then our lovely CAO application form comes down the track <laughs> I know uh, I've read a little bit about this so you have to tell us this uh, this lovely story about how you <laughs> last lastminute.com changed tack uh, yeah it's true I so I'm the eldest of three and um I uh always had it in my head that I would become a primary school teacher and I, re- I liked the idea 
but it was also this idea that I think just in my family, nobody had, had been in the music business. Nobody had been in the arts and entertainment kind mm-hmm. of in a professional way. So it was the the secure and safe thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do a, a lovely, apply for a really good job, like being a primary school teacher. So yeah. I thought, right, that's for me. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> and uh, I was studying away and things were going grand at school. And I thought I'll, I should be okay. But I just kept having this nagging feeling. I thought, oh, I don't, I just don't think this is me, but I'll continue, I'll continue. And I did, you know, the way there was like the degree side of the program and the and the uh, diploma side that you could apply yes, for. That's right. And there was a, um, a Bachelor in Music uh, performance through at, at the then Dublin Institute of Technology. So it's, it's now um, a different name. But I decided to loosely apply for that. And there was an audition and everything went fine. But I still had primary school teaching as my first preference. Mm-hmm. And I did the Leaving Cert and I thought things went pretty well. And I thought I'm fairly likely to get my first choice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I heard, I suppose, on the radio, they would have been saying, you know, or you would have gotten some sort of leaflet your change of mind form is due on this date if you feel like change your mind this is the last okay. date this is the last date this is the last date and suddenly <laughs> it was kind of like playing over in my mind I thought oh god so my mom and dad um on the day that like literally, literally the final date that you could post a uh, stamp it have it stamped uh they were at a funeral and they must it must have been fairly far away in that I was left in charge of the girls and they were gone for the day and okay. um it was the change of mind form was in my drawer and I guess I had filled it out and it was just it's just like burning a hole in the drawer and I thought right that's it that's it and I grabbed it I put it into an envelope I cycled down to the post office posted it changed my mind first wow. preference bachelor music performance DIT and I was, uh, maybe two hours later dad called just to check in he's like how are you getting on how are the girls have you had you know how's the dinner going and I just said, um, Dad, I changed my mind. He said, what? what? What do you mean? I said, um, I just changed my mind on the CEO form. I've, I've turned in my form. He's like, right, right, right. I'll just put you on to your mom. <laughs> yeah, let mom deal with this. <laughs> and that was it. And from that moment on, they have been nothing but supportive. But I think it was a huge shock. And, of course, and, and as you as not, you said, not a shock, but like, sorry, Joanne, not a shock. No. As in, like, sure, I was I was involved in music all sure. my life. Yeah, but that's kind of like deliberate. Yeah, yeah. From the age of seventeen, like now, when I think back on it, like I was I was young to have made such I know. a decision. I know, um, I know, with nobody having experience of it before in the family. Mm. I'm going to ask some some questions that I've always wanted to ask an opera singer because I can ask you, and hopefully they okay. won't. <laughs> hopefully they won't sound inane or stupid. But oh, I hope I can answer them. From day, you know, from day one when you go into that sort of degree and you're training to be, uh, you know, a performer and a singer, the languages you know always fascinates me about um when you become an opera singer because you have to sing in so many different languages and is that something that's that's um embodied from day one in a course or is it down the road or do you just I mean you can't make a decision to not do languages because it's so much a part of the role and part of the job Mm. it's incorporated in some uh courses uh at the undergraduate level when I I studied in Dublin I don't remember a huge emphasis on, let's say, learning the language separate from 
performing it as part sure. of a song, as part of, an, of um, a piece of music. So what we would do is, for instance, in uh, once a week, we had a class in French song. Okay. Once a week, we had a song, uh, we had a class in German literature. And then once a week, we had a class in oratorio. So that was all the sacred works like Handel's Messiah, Bach, all of those pieces. And it was about the performance practice, but it was also about the language. Yeah. Now, we didn't, I'm almost sure, we did do basics, I think, in Italian, but like really basic. Okay. Um, and I think the study of languages for me came a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And it was it was when I moved to, to Germany, really, that's sure. when I feel like I, I got um, the most experience. When I went to when I went to Boston, so after I finished in Dublin, yes. I took a year out. And then I tried to figure out where I wanted to go after the degree. A lot of people would have gone traditionally from Dublin to either the Royal Northern College in Manchester or London. There's all these fantastic schools and colleges and academies and all of that. Mm. But I was a little bit uncertain and I I found it all. This is veering a little bit from the language now, but I just no, to no. kind of fill in, mm. um, I found it all a little bit... Uh, nearly a bit claustrophobic like it's a small pond of singers <laughs> yeah in Ireland and then it just seemed like you moved to just a slightly bigger pond I mean the UK and and uh, and their colleges and academies are amazing and mm-hmm. top but like it, you were still very close to all the people so I, I need I somehow I don't know why I, I kind of needed a bit of a, a break from that mm-hmm. and I ended up going to the states and in the states as well they did incorporate this idea of you studied in detail the French song literature the German song literature Mm. and again all of that but what I would do is um before you take on any it's mostly in opera roles that you would have to have a a real knowledge of like the entire overview um of the language so I mean I have had colleagues who go and spend a year in Italy learning Italian or France or whatever it is um but for me at the beginning it was just slogging through with the dictionary yeah. and you got courses oh. this is very important actually in in America especially we had um uh, serious kind of study in the phonetics of it so you would study the international phonetic alphabet that yes. of course is all you know these are the symbols that are in the dictionary so you learn the meaning of the word the translation of the word but it also gives you the sound okay. and then I work constantly with language coaches so you know, I didn't have the ability or I didn't I didn't take the chance to go to Italy, live there for a year, go to France, live there for a year, go to wherever. So yes. the only place that I naturally picked it up and in a very um, as part of my everyday was living and working in Germany. I would say German is now fairly in my yes. in my being. Yes. But the other languages um, and I especially love singing in French. But what I would do very first thing go through the text Mm. straight away the text I have Mm. an incredible French language coach that I go back to over and over again and she's based in London and we do it over Zoom Skype FaceTime whatever and that's the very first thing I do is go through the text Mm. the language translation pronunciation yeah yeah that's how I think that that to me that to me not at all that to me is so fascinating that not only do you have to be able to sing (laughs) and have that you know, be able to perform and be able to act and, and all of those things that go with, with an artistic job, but you have to have that linguistic ability as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is. It's. Um, <laughs> I would Amazing. say to any young singer starting out, mm. if they have the opportunity, there's so many ways now through apps, Duolingo, um, yes, indeed, you know, yeah, yeah. A, a, amazing podcasts. Podcasts mm. are brilliant. Mm. I mean, there's especially a really good German podcast that I know we've been playing for the girls and for us as well. Like, it's yes. brilliant. Absolutely. But yes. they're done often in, in almost like an animated way as well or in a way that makes sense to children watching children's cartoons in other language the best yeah. with the yeah. subtitles on yeah uh, but I would give that advice to any uh young Great. singer starting out get your languages as fluent as you can or just an understanding of them because I cannot memorize a role or text mm. unless I understand it that's not being like oh I have to you know I, sure. I actually I actually cannot memorize it so it doesn't make any sense so therefore I'm like taking a step back and back yeah. again. If I, and of if course, I don't understand yeah, it. which is so understandable, but also you'll bring so much more to a role. I think if you clearly you understand what you're singing about, you know, yeah. and you know, and which is, you know, a good, acting, a good note. Acting 101. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. interesting that, um, you know, maybe there's a little bit of you having sung Oscarga as well from day one that lended itself to that understanding of expressing yourself in another language? Huge, huge uh, point. That combined with, I think, that folk idiom, that mm. folk element of storytelling. Yeah. I really do think that the type of um, exposure to folk music, to storytelling through the Irish language as a child for 10 years before I probably really delved into any other language yes really informed my approach to um how I continued with with languages with preparing <clears throat> and uh communicating actually just basic yeah. communication Absolutely. Absolutely. um doing that in Irish would have been a great start yeah. because if you think about it you know where where we started with Chimsa and singing off Gaelga and maybe at that time we didn't have a lot of Irish but we we learned as we went along you know that in itself is almost a type of opera because we don't use text. We don't use a lot of script, you know. Exactly, so it's, exactly. So it's, and it's heightened by setting it to music. And that's exactly, exactly what it is. But yeah. also, if you remember the attention to detail that was paid. Absolutely. I mean, and what I love about it is it wasn't just getting the word right. It was getting the nuance, mm. the emotion that mm. is in the word. And Irish mm. is like that, you know, it is. it's so descriptive. It's not yeah. just every like the phrases paint real pictures of the yeah. act that the word is describing Absolutely. or and I think the way that we were trained uh from a very young age was to have respect for the language and to be so precise with it and yeah like that, that's, when that's instilled in you as like a 10 year old you know yeah <laughs> of course anything anything you learn as a child will stick with you forever I think absolutely yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. so you'd mentioned um working in Germany there in Frankfurt as well mm -hmm, uh, with mm -hmm. Frankfurt Upper so how long how long were you there for I was there for nine years. Oh, wow. Yeah, almost. Yeah, nine years. I started out in what they call a studio apprenticeship program. So I went over and I I, um, I did one year as an apprenticeship, as an apprentice. Yeah. And that was a fantastic introduction to the way of working in Germany, to how the opera house functions without kind of the pressure 
of being in already in a kind of a major role. Mm-hmm. So I went in as like, yeah, uh, studying and watching and observing. And I got to sing some smaller roles. And um, we actually were given as well German language lessons, coach some of the major roles. And then uh, after one year, I was taken in then as a company member Brilliant. for until 2017, 18. Wow, wow. And oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I, it, it's almost like it, you were part of the repertory company almost. So it's in a way not unlike Shimsa that you kind of were there for a long period of time. It's exa- it's very like Shimsa. I mean, yeah. just, you, you, I was a member of, like, that's exactly what it is. You're a core member mm, yeah. of the company. Yeah. And now there would have been over 30 of us. Uh, but um, I mean, they do a huge number of productions per year and they do what they call revivals of old shows and then new brand new productions. So, you know, they, they need us all basically. And then yeah, they even yeah. bring in guests as well on top of that. Okay. But no, I was, you know, I was exactly, I was a core member as they call it fest in in Germany, which means like kind of fixed. So mm. you're a fixed member of the company. It's a it's a it's a, a fixed contract. So like as a solo classical opera singer, whatever you want to call um, me or singers like me, then to get a, a contract like that mm. where you have a monthly salary, mm. where your health benefits are yes. contributed to, where yeah. you know that you have a job the next yeah. year, where you can like plan ahead mm-hmm. is is it's not unusual in mainland Europe, but especially having come from the States where I did yes. study after for coming from Dublin or having come from Ireland, nothing exists quite like it. I mean, um, yeah. great opportunity. Oh, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in a way, what was lovely about it is that it, um, it took away the, how would I say it? Like, you know, like as a freelancer, which I have chosen to be now and which I'm very happy to be mm-hmm. right now. Um, well, maybe not right now, but <laughs> <laughs> let's say in the grand scheme of things, when this when this whole nightmare is over, Indeed. I am happy I made that decision. Yes. Um, but I would say that uh, being a core member of a company and having that security doesn't necessarily mean that you become complacent or no, that you go, oh, all. great. If anything, it allowed me to be um, freer, to take more yeah, risks, to yeah. see um, to see the job as to see singing as a job, but in a really privileged way, and Absolutely. to see like my God, I get to go into work. I see the same, you know, lovely faces, friendly yeah. faces at the porter's yeah. desk. I know my I hair know. and makeup women. Yeah. I know my, you know, yeah. my props woman always has my back. She goes, oh, yeah. you forgot that. Like, Sorry. You know, I loved that. I yeah. loved being a part yeah. of, you know, my stage managers and all of that. And I still, you know, I go back now as a guest and I'm just like, it's amazing. Like it's yeah. like going home. It's lovely. Um, yeah. Which I think is also the thing with being part of the folk theatre, like being part of Sheen's yeah. as, as a going, growing up was that idea that no matter how many months you were away or even returning, you know, to the summer seasons, you yeah. just kind of was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, these are these are my people. Here we go. I know, I know. Absolutely, it's like a it that, yeah, that kind of community idea. And as you said so well, there's huge creativity in having stability like that. I think you can, as you said, you can just relax into you know whatever it is or whoever you're meant to be. 
I really want to talk to you as well about your uh, debut in the Met in New York. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which must have been just, ah, even I get excited talking about it and I didn't even see you there. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that was definitely, it's, it's just a moment, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, you yeah. know, uh, and I wouldn't say like people said, oh, I dreamed of singing at the Met. I don't think, I didn't really, like, <laughs> it was it was a dream come true in some ways but it wasn't yeah. something that I was like I have to I have to sure. but I do remember um as a student in in Boston mm. going several weekends up and back from Boston to New York because it's only that four hours or whatever on, yes and I would take the the then uh Chinatown bus for oh wow Fifteen dollars or something, and uh, I would go down, and I had a, one of my best friends living down there, and um, I would go down, and you could purchase standing room tickets mm. for the for the Met on a certain day, and then you'd be able to see like uh, all of these shows for twenty dollars or whatever it was, twenty twenty five, and you could stand at the back, and you even still had the little bar with the surtitles titles, and you could be oh, really lovely. involved in it. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes if you were very lucky, and if you stood there, kind of looking um, uh, perfectly, you know, attentive in the intermission, <laughs> when perhaps some of the more generous patrons decided that they'd had maybe enough for that night at the intermission, they would leave yeah. and hand you your ticket, which could have been, I don't know, two hundred fifty dollars worth, and oh, you just go wow. and sit in the, like a fabulous seat for the second half. Mm. So I did that, and it was doing that that I, I remember the very first time I went to the to that plaza in front of the Metropolitan Opera. You have all these beautiful big posters, and they tell you what operas are on, and then That's you right. look down and you see the cast details yes. and I was like yes. oh my god Renee Fleming is singing in here like she's behind that door now she's probably yeah. like gonna walk out any minute you know and I do remember <laughs> dude, Thomas Hampson, Bryn Terfel, all these people that I just mm. like for me for I think first of all it was it was actually getting getting asked to audition was huge yeah that yeah. was already a massive moment kind of going through the stage door and, and kind of going my god I I'm like trying out to sing here you know yes, that yes. and that happened already two and a half years or so before before I actually sang there so then when it did come to like the first day and you get the ID card and you're going through the stage door it was absolutely it was thrilling mm. what was even more comforting is that as soon as I walked through the door I think I met five people I knew like Amazing. within minutes Brilliant. and so the kind of immediate scariness of it yeah, yeah. started to kind of go a little bit and I thought maybe maybe I can be here maybe I, I know. do belong here you know <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. other people you know or yeah um, yeah and because I had studied in the states and then I had been over in, in Germany for a while I think I've had the good fortune to like know people on both sides and students mm. and, and students <clears throat> and friends so actually I had a lot of friends who were already working there either in you know in, in in main roles smaller roles chorus or whatever so but I I did know people in the halls and I thought God, this is this is bizarre this is yeah, so bizarre I'm at, yeah. I'm at the mess you know, I, I know. now the first the first performance the, the first rehearsal and performance were pretty terrifying first dress rehearsal because <laughs> I um I was in uh yeah, Romeo and Juliet. And the only rehearsal we had on stage was the two days before the show. Um, with two costume, days. With a, two yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we had been rehearsing just for 
10 days before that because it was it was a production that was already set and so okay. there was a new set of us coming into that production and so okay. yeah it's it can be quite intense <laughs> and there was also a lot of combat because I was playing a young man um oh Stefano God. on stage and uh so I had sword fighting choreography to learn in that length of time oh my intense. god yeah so <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, wow. but I do, it was, it was absolutely a brilliant experience. I mm. loved it. I really loved yeah. it. And what was amazing is that I had lots of family, friends in the audience. And actually some of my uh, friends from uh, the conservatory in Boston all gathered together. Like there was emails flying. They said, let's Bad. try and be there. And it was just so nice. It was yeah. so, so lovely. nice. So lovely. that was, that was a, a, definitely a big moment. Yeah, absolutely. And the next one we might touch on before we go back to how we met uh, yeah. is, is Bluebeard in right. Dublin, which yeah. I finally got to sit down and see. And it was amazing. Of course it was. It was <laughs> wonderful, powerful yeah. production. Yeah. 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 That, um, that was a really special production, mm. I thought. Um, uh, but I, you get a sense often from that first rehearsal, how a show was going to go. Like, literally from that first day where everybody meets. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I I do remember we rehearsed in London, actually, because most of the production crew and the artistic team were based in in London. And so we ended up yeah, being being there for about two and a half, maybe three weeks. And then we came to Ireland for the final portion when we were in the Gaiety. Okay. But I do remember from those first one, two days thinking, I think this is I think this is going to be just a lovely, special, mm. collaborative mm. experience. Mm. And that's and that's what happened. And yeah. um, it was it was just it was just fabulous. And that that piece is extraordinary anyway I mean it's just like a one hour roller coaster ride and it's just yeah. hang on to your hats and let's exactly. go for it and um but the team the team was amazing mm. absolutely I mean I couldn't have I've wished for anything nicer and uh it was so yeah it's it's really special when you have the conductive director and everybody on the same page from the beginning willing to go for it willing to risk willing to explore mm. and that's what I well, that's what I mean but like it really was collaborative from the very very beginning um and uh and then and then it was just fantastic to come home and of sing course. an opera yeah. at home. I, I, I have so rarely had the chance <clears> or the opportunity. And that's the thing with the creation of Irish National Opera and the, such an incredible mm-hmm. standard of productions and singers that they hired that it was it was really, uh, really special to come home and be able to do that at the Gaiety. Uh, I'm going to take us back now to Fenuig. Fenuig uh. <laughs> <laughs> is one of the training centres um, that Teams Out runs. And that is where we met. And I still remember the night I think if I'm right in my recollection I remember the night we met because I didn't know anybody there I don't think I I don't think I knew anyone on my first night and I think Anne O'Donnell who's now my my colleague in Shimsa I think she introduced us if I'm right but we were introduced on then I did not the audition then the first day because I yeah. you're just like part of my like first moment in same week. yeah same I remember being introduced because I think Anne was looking at the two of us just sitting there going are these two ever going to talk to each other or what and she said Paula this is Joanne Joanne this is Paula 
that was it. That was the start of our friendship and the great time we had in Fanui. But my my kind of strong memories of us are more so when we got into Shimsa and the advanced yeah. class. And believe it yeah. or not, the building is 30 years old uh, this year, Shimsa, the oh. building, and being part of that opening performance, Ding mm. Dong Dedero. Yeah, yeah. Huge yeah. for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was massive. And the preparation was going on. I feel like it went on for years. That might just be my <laughs> recollection. But I felt like it was just this huge, it was. you know, and all the politicians and the ceremony mm. and the, 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 the TV. There was, you know, TV cameras record yeah. at the yeah. time. That was for us a massive, massive deal. Massive and to think deal. about, you know, what it, it, it symbolized as well, I suppose, for all those yeah. involved in the, in the beginnings of Sheen's Theatre, exactly. where we came from the old uh, Theatre Royal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, to, to come to that point. And it was such an innovative um, mm. Mm. Feet of architecture and everything about it was just so exciting and yeah, yeah. yeah. I rem- I mean I remember driving past it as it was being built and kind of going oh my god it's nearly I there know. look at the round wall look at the stones yeah. going higher yeah. higher higher yeah um but the preparation for the ding dong dedero I have such strong memories of us mm. just being involved in those children's scenes but then kind of like slowly making our way then up through the yeah. ranks and becoming so familiar with, with yeah. the whole, all of the dances and all of yeah. the songs. And I think that's a huge... It, it, I thank you. If you talk to any child in Shimsa, it's always like that longing to become the adult in the shows. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. that excitement of, you know, oh, I'm a little bit older this year and I might, mm-hmm. you know, get get to go on, you know, get that's to go on. Right. And why were we such in a bloody rush to become <laughs> adults? I will never understand now. But then it was the excitement of that. And, and yeah. you know, once once you got kind of, you were asked to come in and rehearse for that adult part. It's like, oh my God, this, oh, you know, it's huge. Phone call. Mm, mm, mm. And then I think another lovely memory I have is when um, you performed in Samhain um, with, oh, with yeah. was it Oliver? Oliver directed that piece. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. That was a real kind of a special kind of a show as well. That was a very special show Uh, and it was very special for me because in a way I was allowed to kind of take the audience on a journey from the Mm. very beginning to the very end. Mm. That was my first experience of being in a show where I quite literally don't think I left the stage at no. any point mm. and it was like I was the the the, the, the eyes through to this other world and yeah. I felt so so privileged but also it was a huge amount of pressure I do remember the pressure yeah. still yeah because you were quite um, young were you yeah yeah I was quite young and also Oliver had heard that I played the concertina he had heard that I did <laughs> so I was just like Paula does you know dancing play concertina <laughs> like it felt nowadays I'm kind of going I, I remember watching you um, in that part even now I still remember it and we were not too far apart in age but I remember watching you thinking that you had sort of um kind of embodied that the way we we perform in Shimsa and I don't know if you'll agree with me or not but I think that came to us through osmosis and through watching the older you know the adult performers we were never sort of this is how we do it. It was just sort of almost in the air or innate in some way. 
that's a great description of it. No, I would totally agree because I suppose every every week during the summer, three times a week, sometimes once a week, whatever it was, whatever mm. amount of time you got to be on stage as a child, um, the adults around you were the ones who were passing on the baton, if you like. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. it was never, as you say, kind of overtly said, oh, uh, this is the way to walk when you're feeling such a way, or this is the way to sing when you're mm. thinking this, or this is the way. But as you say, because we were surrounded by it from such a young age, mm. and there was in that folk way, there was a handing down of traditions that happened quite naturally, even on stage. And even um, like listening to to uh, to Sean Ahern um, singing Russian Dove. I mean, I get goosebumps still mm-hmm. um, hearing Geraldine, seeing mm-hmm. Oliver and Jonathan and the fun and the crack that they would have on stage. But it was real. And it was something that you you just took, you know, or Shawnee Mahoney, like doing uh, the old woman, like, I mean, and consummate professionalism, I think is what I come away with. Mm. I've said it a lot um, recently is that the way that we, we performed and that we learned, there was a lot of uh, repetition of certain shows, right? We had the Mm. same show to perform, but there would be different cast members on one night to the next. So there was always a bit of a varying uh, element to it. But at the same time, we had to also be fresh in ourselves and find new things every time as well. And that is something that has stood to me Mm. uh, to this day, because you're constantly trying to find what makes it present and real and uh, engaging, engaging for everybody. But we learned that definitely from from the older members of the company. Yeah, the people Um, around us. Yeah, for sure. The people around us. And I mean, I, I, you know, for you, it's very different now because you're the one passing the baton if you like um, absolutely uh, in you know uh, but I think that we also were quite lucky in the generation that we grew up with we were with some of the founding members still on stage you know absolutely. and absolutely the, the ethos and the authenticity of it was just palpable and I know that that's what you're carrying through you know like, yeah so yeah that, that's kind of amazing as well yeah it is and it's it's sometimes if you stop if I stop and think about it too much I'm like oh where you know I can't do that I have to sort of because I remember being on stage as you said with Shawnee and with Liam Liam Heaslip and 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 just just the fun and the like completely naturally talented people that just Mm. never even do you know what they I don't think they they were overthinking anything about it it was just Mm -hmm. what they did you know and I think that's Mm. what made it all so unique because it's what father Pat had envisaged as well it's just he brought these things from his place from what they did and made it part of part of part of Sheems and part of us all but I I don't think you have to over I don't think you need to try I think like you say you have it so Mm. it's just leading by example it's there but Mm. I do think that what um what the training for me uh what father Pat especially I think brought to us I mean my god had we respect for for him and um you know and even as children you you know you remember in Fenuik when you knew that he was coming around I mean it was just this awe and kind of fear as well at the time going I hope to god I don't mess up I hope he you know and and it was just his presence which is extraordinary when you think about it like you just knew that the white Renault was parked outside (laughs) and therefore (laughs) you know and um I just adored is this um what I now can see Mm. is the sense of professionalism and respect for the theatre for what we do 
is yeah. what I think he gave to us as children. And um, this, you know, we we got to give it everything and give it our mm. best, but to be very respectful and to never mm. settle. I mean, my mm. God, what a perfectionist. It was It was just yeah. always, always pushing to get the absolute best from you. I just want to go back as well and just have a quick chat about um you talked about the fun in Chimsa and yeah. you know the the as children and, and the, the the kind of level of, of there was a lot of humor, you know, backstage and characters and but touring as a kid must have been the most exciting thing that I've ever been a part of. <laughs> yeah, it was. I hands down the most yeah. exciting thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, getting on a plane, I was 10 when I went away with him first to Belgium. I'd never had a passport, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I remember getting my passport photograph taken. And I think, I don't know whether it was a last minute thing. I do remember it being all rushed. So unless the other poor child got like sick or <laughs> kicked out or something, I don't know. But <laughs> it was all quite rushed. Um, yeah. So I remember getting my passport taken and then... Uh, you know, Martin Whelan organising it. And, and now when I think about it, I suppose as a parent, I was going, mm. oh God, I was 10 and my parents let me away to Belgium with a company. And so the amount of trust that was there, but my God, the fun. I remember with the passport, I had no clue, no clue. I'd never been in a plane. I had never uh, obviously been abroad. And so I was so worried. I uh, My next door neighbour, who was like an aunt to us, explained to me what the passport was for. And I got so caught up with the identification by <laughs> element of it. And I thought, well, what if they don't know it? Like, what if they don't recognise it from the photograph? Will they let me into the country? And I was so worried about it. Oh, you poor thing. That I ended up, I looked at the passport photo a lot. And I suppose in a way I would have I'm, I'm sure I wasn't holding my passport. I'm sure Martin or somebody else would have had my passport. Magella Stack was actually one of my guardian Brilliant. angels yes. at the time. So I think maybe Magella might have been in charge of me. And um, I remember looking at the passport the day before I left. And I was like, right, that's it. So then I got up. I went. I put on the exact same jumper. Oh, I made sure my hair was the exact same way. And I was like, there's going to be no mistaking oh, that no this doubt. is me on the picture the passport <laughs> officer was just kind of like bless her let me he was like oh my god the bowl haircut and the like just that right jumper so I mean that oh god. Was, you know, that alone we had so much fun and and also just like staying in hotels or guest houses was exactly just, you know like pajama parties all the night you know I know, parties I know the whole time I know I know I know I have one other question just to talk a little bit about your new album Oh, and yeah. the fact is yeah. not lost. The fact the fact is not lost on us that it is a folk album, which is it amazing. Is. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is an album that my friend Tanya Blight and myself uh, recorded uh, a little while back, actually now, and it's only just been uh, published and released in the last three months, I suppose now, two and a half, yeah. three months. Um, and it is a folk album uh, or it's it's a it's based on the folk idiom so yeah. a lot of these songs would originally have been folk songs by irish composers german composers french composers and um i suppose that folk element always has attracted me and for me i think what has been the most immediate with what these songs share in common uh is 
what I say, it's like the immediacy of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. I love when it's, um, as, uh, let's say, a straightforward, not simplistic, but a very direct, authentic message or mm-hmm. a story in mm-hmm. in um, in a song. And I think that's what all of these share. And um, yeah, that folk element has just, I mean, I was saying it to Tanya when we were kind of preparing. I said, it is, it is mad. It feels like it has kind of come full circle for me because yes. it's just been, it's just been in my life from the very beginning. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and to kind of come full circle. And, and like I said, not all of them are true, what we would kind of associate with like true folk songs. Mm-hmm. But the folk idiom is so prevalent that it's, it yeah. has, it has that umbrella. That's just yeah. like, it's not something, it's just, it just is, it is that. Yeah. and uh i just and their songs i just love i just yeah, absolutely love singing yeah. them and so it was important to to have that especially debut album i thought this is something that yeah. i identify with it's something that's important to me and um and i have i've spoken about sheen satira quite a bit in yeah. my discussion of it or promotion of it or even just with friends saying you know that um that would have would have started um with with my membership of this theatre group um mm. and so it's it's important but um, yeah thanks for mentioning it <laughs> not at all it's it's fabulous and I think you know one of the one of the the if there can be an upside to all this sort of uh staying at home and living in this horrible pandemic it's that I got and I'm sure lots of other people will agree that we got the opportunity to see you performing um by by watching you online when when maybe we would never have seen i maybe wouldn't have gotten the chance to see those performances you know it's great i yeah i chatted about this with um with eamon um my husband there uh, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about i suppose at the beginning specifically about uh handles ariodante that came from the royal yes. Opera house in Covent yes. garden that was that was a, a big a big um occasion for me an amazing Mm -hmm. amazing role the title role something that I had been looking forward to for several years and then it was supposed to be a brand new you know beautiful not a brand new production but a a new production for Covent Garden it hadn't been performed there uh since it was premiered (laughs) you know uh yeah so it was it was a a massive deal and to have that taken away Mm. was uh, it was kind of devastating, actually. It was like it was my little mini Mount Everest. It was my aim. It was my goal to to perform. So I've been working on it for quite a bit, and to have that taken away in this, I'm so you know, it's we can't do it, and um, and to have that taken away was really really tough. And then when they said, but we are considering doing um, a live stream, we would hope at the beginning they were hoping to do two performances with socially distanced audience. Okay, I arrived in London. And I was doing another little recording uh, project, beautiful songs actually by a female um, an Irish composer, Ina Boyle. And so mm-hmm. I had been there about three weeks before the Ario Dante anyway. But uh, we did this. It went lovely. It was a lovely, lovely project. And then uh, because of the two week quarantine, I wasn't going to go home and come back again. Long okay. story short, I was there and I was looking forward to beginning the rehearsals. And then there was this lockdown was announced. And so the two performances were suddenly maybe not happening at all, totally in jeopardy. And then in the end, there was this one <laughs> live stream performance. And I thought, right, okay, I'm still doing it. I'm still getting the opportunity with yeah. orchestra in this incredibly historical house moment for this mm. opera. 
And what I realized is that it may have a far greater reach than it ever would have, even with the planned six, seven performances in yeah. person in the theater. And and it's just I was just so, so thrilled to get to sing again and to get to perform at that level and with colleagues, these exceptional colleagues that I I, I was just overcome like with gratitude and mm. with you know, I mean I was it was also it was also a huge challenge because having been out of performing for so long, I had done one project, yeah. but you know, to have to um if you like come in and at the top of your game yes. <laughs> for one yeah. performance. Wake up um, all those muscles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> worldwide was 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 you know uh it, it required quite a bit of preparation but my god it was such a lovely experience and as you say I I was so thrilled to be able to share that with friends mm, family yeah. to be able to say here's the link like wherever you are I know I know you can see it yeah so, I mean yeah. I was painting my kitchen on a Saturday night and I was watching you <laughs> in the opera house singing and I was like this is just amazing <laughs> You know, it was it was and yeah. obviously it's never going to replace that immediate experience of being in an audience, which we are all dying for. But mm. just to be able to go, OK, I can watch all of this and I don't have to get on a plane. I can I can yeah. see and how see how my friend is experiencing this amazing experience and yeah. I'm doing it from yeah. home, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was no, incredible. I know it. it 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 has so and the same with the Irish National Opera did yes. another beautiful series as well you know right. and all these iconic buildings throughout yeah. Ireland and that was that was wonderful as well it was beautiful yeah so I I do feel very grateful I have colleagues Joanne that um coming up to February March will not have sung for almost a year and it's just devastating mm. it's so devastating I have been lucky that I've had these you know a, couple, a few opportunities yeah and um but there are some some friends colleagues that and it's just heartbreaking and so I I, you do you do grab anything um that you can get and that being said you want it to be at a quality that you've trained for and that you've worked towards your whole life so yeah. there's this slight kind of danger that just get it's not about just getting anything out because you you know we've all worked to kind of our, to keep hopefully to do our best to keep our standards high to go mm. to the best possible level and then just because it can't be um in person doesn't mean that you have to be hopefully that you have to be sacrificing anything on the other side so it's it's a bit of a it can be a little bit tricky and I think you're right that it's it's got to be it has to be of that standard that you're happy with and that you you know will translate as well as or as much as you can hope to, as well as across the stream. And that represents you across the stream, and that represents yeah. you and and your work to date, and that, yes. and your you know your yeah your hopefully your professionalism or your abilities, yeah. and that it's not as you say it's just not compromised. And also the yeah. fact, I mean, there's just such a lot of content out there. There mm-hmm. was especially at the beginning, you know, I I I just couldn't watch. I just had to stop. I just thought, oh my God, there's so many things coming at you because everybody was doing it for free. Yeah. And there's a, there's a little bit of a danger to that as well. I think mm-hmm. there's a place for it. And I think at the beginning, everybody certainly needed it. Um, yeah. But going forward, that's also something that we have to kind of be careful. Yeah, for sure. Of. For sure. Um, that's another <laughs> discussion. Yeah, that's another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
yeah, so yeah. Uh, I'm going to um I'm going to finish there. Um, thank you so much for being a part of the great. podcast. It was great. It was great to see your face. <laughs> I, know. I thought we'd be out on Dana Beach together. Oh, or, I, I know. know me running after you with the microphone. <laughs> I know, it, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's just the way it has to be for now. Yeah, for sure. I know, I know. I know. But thank you for um, for sharing. And it was lovely to go down memory lane. Uh, Great. And hopefully we will see you performing soon. And hopefully, I hope so. I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll get to see you in person. Can't wait. Thrilled to be a part of it. Chat thank soon. you, Paula. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast. All information on our guest is available at www.paulamurrahy.com and on social media at Facebook and Instagram. Paula's album, I Will Walk With My Love, is available on all the usual streaming platforms and to purchase on Amazon. For further information on Shim Satira, head over to our website at www.shimsatira.com. You will also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, bye bye. Thank you.